Hey guys, welcome back to Authentically Autistic. It's Mackenzie. Um, I'm finally back. I know it's been a while. I don't think I've recorded anything for like over a week. Um, I kind of hit a little, well, lack of motivation and then a little bump in the road with something a little personal um, and just have not been able to come on and record anything. So in today's episode, I want to talk a bit more about my psychological evaluation and um, assessment and testing or whatever um, that I went through to get my diagnosis of autism and among other things. Um, I just recently got this in the mail, my actual like full-on report. Um, I was told I would get it when I did my testing, which was... 5 2021 so may 20th of this year so it's been a long time it's been over half a year and i finally emailed and was like hey i really wanted one of those give me a copy so i got some copies and i read over it and it was really interesting to kind of see someone else's perspective and to see my actual test results and i just kind of wanted to talk over a bit of my evaluation and um, yeah, so the first thing I guess that I wanted to say is when I went to my assessment, I was, um, in a bad place, I guess. My social anxiety was really bad. My OCD was really bad. My depression was really bad, my anxiety. Um, and so I was really nervous before. And, um, so I feel like that kind of affected how I performed on some of the testing and, like, why they viewed me as the way they did. But, so, um, basically, if anyone's interested in what I got tested, what tests I've had, just in case maybe some of you guys have had some of these, um, um, the Weschler Adult Intelligence Scale, so IQ testing, um, wide range assessment of memory and learning, which I think that's one that I had bad on, did really bad on. Um, the Brown Executive Function and Attention Scales self-report, which is really interesting. Um, I'll talk about that a little later. Um, the Connors Adult ADHD and Connors Continuous Performance. Those are both to look at ADHD. Um, one's a self-report, like you and then one's like a computer thing where you have to like click a button after watching these like things on the screen. It's, it was kind of tedious, but I think that's the point. I mean, because if you have ADHD, you can't pay attention, but I do not have ADHD. Um, and then the Gilliam Autism Rating Scale, the Yale Brown Obsessive Compulsive Symptom Checklist, um, the Retvo Autism Asperger's Diagnostic Scale, and then also the Milan Clinical Multiaxial Inventory and the MMPI, which is the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. So I'm a psych major. This makes sense to me. Um, it probably won't make sense to a lot of you. If it does, great. Or if you're like, hey, I got testing done too, and that was a test that I did. Okay, cool. So I don't know. I just feel like throwing that out there. Um, 
And so I guess the first thing that I saw, I think when reading through this report, sorry if you hear the paper rustling, I am going to be flipping through the pages a little bit, um, is the mental status exam, which is like they check on, like they observe how you're acting and looking and if you're in touch with your reality and like that kind of stuff. And the first thing that stood out to me was um, dressed in casual but appropriate attire, which yes, I've always been really casual because I like to be comfortable. Um, and then eye contact was mostly avoidant. This is huge because I hate eye contact. I still struggle with it, but I feel like at that point with my social anxiety, I just could not maintain eye contact. And I still find myself struggling with this today with people I'm less comfortable with or even just with anybody my parents even sometimes and my sister um and it happens more I think when I'm feeling emotions like I kind of sh shut down emotionally sometimes and like in those moments I don't like look anybody in the eye especially but um but for example it says also like her thought process was within normal limits she was oriented to person place and situation um which is all basically saying that like whatever my I test like my abilities and stuff that is found in this testing should be a valid representation of myself um so yeah so the first thing was the um the IQ test um so if you don't know average is between like 90 and 109 people say it's 100 is the average typically um and then lower is like from 80 to 89 is low average and then from 110 to 119 is like high average and it just yeah so there's four parts of this test a verbal comprehension part a perceptual reasoning part a working memory and processing speed part so the verbal comprehension index or, or part of the test assesses like word knowledge, verbal problem solving skills, informa general information, and verbal abstraction. Um, this is the one area of the IQ test that I really struggled with. Um, I don't have very good verbal comprehension and I do not have also like a good um, vocabulary too, um, which I think maybe was part of that one. Um, yeah, like they'd ask you words and you'd have to say what they mean. And I'm like, Psh, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, so basically, my verbal comprehension scores was 91, which is still average, but it's the lowest one I have. And then my perceptual reasoning, which is like um, designs and patterns, is 100. Which, again, is supposedly average. And then working memory, which I didn't think I was very good at, but I did good on this part of it. But there's another memory test that I did poor on. But I got 108, and then same with the processing speed, I got 108. So, all in all, it comes down to my IQ is supposedly 97, which is average. I mean, also, this is just like from this one time I took the test, circumstances, you know, change how you perform, and stuff like that. Um... But then the next assessment that is on this report is the memory and learning test. And it assesses verbal learning, visual, 
and verbal memory, attention, concentration, um, and it's about, like, remembering stories, information, directions, um, and then learning. Sorry, guys, I, I had to sneeze, so I'm sorry that that cut off, um, but yeah, so this memory one was looking at, like, they had me look at a picture, and then I had to look away and, like, draw it, and, like, I just did really, really bad, and I just think I was so nervous, and I was thinking more about, like, how it was performing or how it was being perceived, and, like, overall, I was just really, really nervous. I'd never met this person who did the assessment. It's in the middle of COVID. I'm so socially anxious, um, but basically, I scored below average, um, my verbal memory was below average. My visual memory was below average. Um, my attention and concentration was average. So go me, I can apparently pay attention. Um, and then my general memory was below average. So that's great. My memory is terrible, but also like when people have like anxiety and stuff like that, um, they of often have attention difficulties. Um, and then also those with autism often struggle with working memory, but that doesn't seem to be something that I struggle with as much according to the um, IQ test. But um, so yeah, that's kind of like about my memory. So just basically like don't make me try and remember anything because apparently I won't. Um, sorry, that's a little dramatic, but you know. So the next was the Brown Executive Function and Attention Scales. And I know I've talked a bit about um, executive functioning and executive dysfunction. And um, this test is really great. It's, I think, used mostly for um, ADHD. But obviously, executive functioning is something that people with ADHD and autism and other things struggle with. So it's a good test to give to kind of see where their ex someone's executive functioning is at. So um, basically how it is scored is um, typical, so not being a problem, is 54 and below. Um, somewhat atypical or possibly a significant problem is 55 to 59 moderately atypical or maybe a significant problem is 60 to 69 and then 70 and above is markedly atypical very significant problem that's how they're classified and so um my scores were all in the moderately and markedly atypical so 60 between 60 and 70 and above um, for activation, which is part of executive functioning, which is organizing, um, prioritizing, and like activating work, so like getting yourself to do a task, I scored a 66, so that's moderately atypical, meaning it could be a significant problem, which I agree, it definitely is. Um, and then focus, sustaining, and shifting attention to tasks, um, I scored a 65, which is moderately atypical again. Um, I don't know. I don't really have much on that. I feel like I focus all right sometimes. I, so yeah, I don't really know, but apparently it still didn't score the greatest. Um, effort is regulating alertness, sustaining effort, and processing speed. I scored a 61, so a bit more typical than activation and focus, but still just barely in the moderately atypical range. 
Um, and then I have emotion, which is managing frustration, which I'm terrible at, and modulating emotions, which I got a 71. So that would be in the markedly atypical range. And then memory, utilizing working memory and accessing recall was 64. So moderately atypical. And then action, which is monitoring and self-regulating action. I scored an 81. And if I'm being honest, I don't even really understand that one a whole ton. Um, but apparently I'm not great at it. <laughs> so my total score, my composite score, so like with all that in mind, is 71. So overall, my executive functioning is in the markedly atypical, meaning it is a very significant problem. So these are test results that I was not really told when I was just told my results over the phone after my assessment with, the, with my um, psychologist. Um, so seeing these results has been really helpful because it's eye-opening for me and some of the struggles I have and things that might need accommodations um, and extra support because of my autism. And they are things that have helped me feel less for like an imposter like I don't feel autistic enough like I'm starting to erase that negative feeling of like that even being a thing like there's no such thing and so this is kind of just like showing me um kind of how my brain works and kind of bringing some things to light making me not second guess myself or the person who did my assessment so much which I've talked about in a previous episode about imposture or feeling like an imposter um, so if you're interested in that, you can go back and check that out. Um, but yeah, so executive dysfunction is definitely very common with those with autism and even like ADHD and sometimes just in general or other types of diagnoses. Um, so the next thing that was done were the Connors, which are both for ADHD um, the self-report one, which is like where you just answer questions, um, 70 and above indicates a significant problem. And I only scored high in impulsivity and also with problems with self-concept, which I was not told that one when I was getting my results. But I think that's because that was so escalated because I was really in a bad place depression-wise. So I had a 71 for that that's above 70 and then oh and then I forgot 60 okay so above 60 is a possible significant problem so that's my impulsivity and then over 70 is a significant problem so self-concept but impulsivity is what I was told when I got my results because it basically was one of the only things on the ADHD scale that I was like escalated and so I don't have ADHD but he said that it is very common for those with autism to be impulsive and um, through more research and stuff I know that and so it makes you know a lot of sense that um, my scores depict that same thing and then in the Connors test where you have to press the button when you see certain symbols or whatever I scored average um, nothing really special about that test other than it's boring <laughs> And I can't imagine if you are ADHD how boring that would actually be. But, um, so the GARS 3, which is the Gilliam Autism Rating Scale, it's like, uh, another self-assessment. Like, you fill out, um, the questions. 
notes with like somewhat like you know it's like scaled I don't really know what I'm trying to say but um so basically how it is scored is um let's see so a 54 or lower is unlikely you that you have autism a score between 55 and 70 means it's probable which is what they call you know level one autism which means minimal support um which is this the levels and support is a little bit controversial on how it's talked about and how maybe these diagnoses should actually look but this is how it is um and then 71 to 100 is very likely level two and then autism index is 101 or higher means very likely and that's level three so there's level one two and three I scored a 59, so that is between 55 and 70, which is probable, so level 1 ASD is what I was diagnosed with um, based off of this information as well as some other information in this report and some other assessments that I'm going to talk about shortly, um, actually next after this. Um, so yeah, this is what I was basically told. I was told I scored a 60, which now looking at the results, it's actually like a 59, but, and that puts me in the middle of this level one um, range, which is what I was told, and ex that was explained to me over the phone when I got my results. Um, so then the RADs are, which is um, the Ridvo Autism Asperger's Diagnostic Scale, that's revised. Um, is this one i can't remember if they're both i think they might have both been self-report um but this one was so a score of 65 or higher is consistent with the diagnosis of autism okay so 65 or higher my score was 121 which indicates the presence of significant autism symptoms. This here was not told me. I was not told, not told to me, sorry. I was not told the results to this specific assessment. And to me, mixed with the other autism assessment results, makes me sure that I have autism, which was not the case before I received this paper copy of my evaluation. So. I'm pretty grateful to have this. I am, it's crazy that like my score is like double what is consistent with um, autism, but I was also in a pretty bad place, so my scores could have been elevated. Um, and then, so the next test was an obsessive compulsive symptoms and checklist, which is the Yale Brown one. Um, I have always kind of struggled with OCD and I've learned as I got older and like recently that a lot of people with autism struggle with OCD, so it makes sense. And I've kind of put together in my mind that maybe our OCD is kind of hooked in because we like routines, like we like things a certain way, and that's like also could look like OCD. So maybe it's OCD, but maybe it's autism, or maybe it's both. Like, I don't really know. But um, I do struggle with some OCD. Um, my symptoms... So you picked like different types of severity and like types of um, symptoms you have. You like checked them off and I totaled a 19, which is in a moderate range. Um, it goes from subclinical to mild to moderate to severe to extreme. 
So I scored with moderate OCD, um, which, gosh, moderate, it seemed extreme to me, but I mean, also, I'm the one that's in my head, so. Um, and then the last two are the personality tests, personality development. Um, so the Milan and the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, which is the MMPI, it's pretty common. Those are both just really long tests that were on a computer where you answer a ton of questions and it basically gives you information on like personality, um, psychopathology, um, different types of symptoms, other types of disorders, um, and stuff like that. So um, from that, I did get um, a diagnosis of major depressive disorder that's persistent. Um, and then... I also met criteria for generalized anxiety disorder, um, which I've been previously diagnosed with, um, but I do think I struggle with that, but I think when I was younger, most of my anxiety, and like when I first was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, it was actually my emetophobia. Everything was revolving around me being scared of throwing up. Like, that was what I was worried about mostly. It wasn't as much general anxiety. Once I, like, cleared up that stuff, then I did have the general anxiety. But when you're just worried about one thing like that, you do not have the time to think about all that other stuff. So, you're not thinking about the little anxieties that you have throughout the day like you normally would. But, um, and then I also endorsed the autism spectrum symptoms through that test as well, such as um, getting lost in thoughts, um, ideas racing fast, um, appearing in a strange or odd person to others, which I just think is more because I, I put that down more because I think people have always seen me as a little weird and I've always felt different. Um, then disliking a change in routine. Um, so yeah, that's pretty common for those with autism. <laughs> it says she may be self-absorbed. Um, basically aren't all autistics um lost in daydreams personal irrelevancies and tangential asides may occur when she attempts everyday social communication so basically like sometimes i'll talk about things that aren't relevant and i'll tangent <laughs> which is i think like we just struggle with social communication in general um and then like withdrawal behavior um and stuff like that so basically um, that all was like, yeah, she has ASD. Um, I really didn't like the last sentence of that part. It says, moreover, all of these factors contribute to the maintenance of a detached, dependent, socially anxious, ineffectual, and depressive life pattern. Like, gee, thanks. <laughs> that's totally what I'm going for here. <laughs> I know that's not what it's saying, but, um, and I've come a long way since all of this testing and stuff. So I've worked on a lot of stuff through therapy and so... You know, this stuff doesn't offend me. I just, it's interesting to see kind of how it's written and how other people see you. And like, some of this isn't really written based on how my psychologist journeys once saw me. This is based off of my answers um, for this specific test. So that was about like mostly the Milan. And then for the MMPI, that's again like emotional functioning and personality development. Um, and that basically showed... Um, a lot of depression symptoms that I have, um, a lot of anhedonia, um, I kind of show a lot of dysthymia, so just like kind of a low general mood, 
Um, so, yeah, it also says that I report in compulsive behavior, checking, counting, and then rigid and perfectionist tendencies, um, impulsive behavior, and hyperactive behavior in previously. Um, so it just basically like finds all of these like traits about you and your personality and how you are, good or bad. Um, well, in this case, it kind of talks about all the bad things, but that's kind of like the point of an assessment is to find the things that you need to work on. But it also highlights your strengths, too. Um, so yeah, basically, um, overall, my IQ is alright, my memory is not. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, um, the results, I'll read exactly what the results say here. So, the results of attentional memory and personality functioning indicated that Mackenzie did not endorse criteria for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder as other psychological and or neurological conditions with symptoms of impaired attention can lead to atypical scores. Results of mood and personality functioning indicated that Mackenzie endorsed criteria for OCD, generalized anxiety disorder, major depressive disorder, and autism spectrum disorder. So those are the four diagnoses that I was given based off of my psych testing. Um, and I wasn't really, I guess, told all of those either. I was just asked, like, told I meet the criteria for autism. And then he was like, so are you okay if I put that on your file? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So go for it. Like, it's that's what I'm here for. Um, so yeah. And then the recommendations they gave me was just, like, finishing therapy or, like, going through therapy and working on some of that stuff and continuing to consult with my psychiatrist and make sure my meds are still effective. And yeah. So... That is basically the overview of my whole psychological evaluation. So, if you don't really know what they are, that hopefully that gives you a little bit of a look into what they are without me having to get, you know, too personal about all the little details of my testing. Um, but also, like, these things don't really give all the details like that. Um, it's usually just scores. And they're not raw scores. They're scores that, like, can be read by um, clients. Um, you can't have the raw scores unless you are licensed or have the right credentials. Something that I know from being in school. <laughs> so if you don't know that, now you do. Um, so yeah, basically, that's all I wanted to say about my actual testing. Um, I think that my testing has been really beneficial for me I needed to do it also just for like treatment planning purposes like I, I didn't know where to start in therapy because I just had so much going on um so my therapist and I decided to do that to get some some insight and kind of decide between ADHD and autism to see which I had or both or whatever um and to find like a starting point and um yeah I was I've been going to therapy quite a bit less than I was before. Like, I'm just kind of doing maintenance as of now. Um, and it's just been going pretty well. Um, so yeah, basically getting this paper copy has been super interesting. And I feel a bit better about my diagnoses and a bit more confident that they are mine, so to speak. Like, I am not stuck in the middle of 
not autistic and autistic like I am autistic and I can just know that and own it um not feel like an imposter and start to show the world that everyone who's autistic is autistic like maybe some are like look okay what am I trying to say like people think that some people don't look autistic or some people are less autistic than others and like that's just not the case like some people need more support different support or whatever but like autism is autism and we all are the same but different like (laughs) that's why it's a spectrum like maybe someday I think there might be some different categories of disorders in this area um of types of neurodivergence that come from like differences between ADHD and autism like I feel like there might be on the autism spectrum like some different disorders maybe that could stem from it or some disorders that some like especially women who are not seen who are on the spectrum like maybe we just have some type of like diagnosis that doesn't exist yet and like I brought this up to my psychologist and he like was totally like yeah I agree with you completely um so I think this is like a growing area of knowledge and it's just important to remember that there's probably people around you who are neurodivergent and you don't even know it and so um be kind um I do run into at school so I'm not completely out about being autistic um certain people know but at school well not at school but I work in a school um especially um my coworkers don't really know that about me it's not something I've told them we aren't close like that but I do work with um a girl on the autism spectrum and so I talk about it frequently with her teacher because like I'm in their classroom and we consult about her and um sometimes she'll be like I think this person's also on the spectrum and stuff like that and like it's just so funny and like also not funny but like she's talking to me and like she doesn't know that like I'm also on the spectrum (laughs) um it's just can be such an invisible disability um so and I think so many people would just like be surprised and that's just like interesting to me um yeah so just basically what I'm trying to say is be careful what you say because you could really offend somebody because like think if like someone were to say something like that to me thinking like I'm neurotypical and they say something bad or like negative about autism and like I'm sitting here like in my head like uh I am autistic so like thanks that's that kind of hurt my feelings (laughs) you know so just just be cognizant of what you're saying and how you're treating people and how you talk about people um and yeah I have really enjoyed um, kind of explaining this out to you guys. I This is kind of like a special interest to me, um, psychology kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm in, I'm in the field in school right now. I'm not actually in the field. I work in a school, but I will be a therapist at some point. So I'm really interested in this kind of stuff. So I kind of hope to share some of that kind of a side of this with you guys um, if I can. Um, so yeah, hopefully you guys learned something or can relate to something from tonight's episode of this podcast, Authentically Autistic, and I will see you guys next time.